Imagine if every area in the UK had the same amount of startups as, as they did. We just see this massive rockets towards the UK being more of a, a tech powerhouse. I think the Department of Science, Innovation and Technology, DSIT, has started off well. I suppose if I was doing a school report card, it would probably be around a B plus. A forward-thinking VC who wants to fish in a market that's potentially underserved should get on the train and come up and see what we've got going on in the Northeast. From the first-time founders to the funds that back them, innovation needs different. Our episode partner, HSBC Innovation Banking is proud to accelerate growth for tech and life science businesses, creating meaningful connections and opening up a world of opportunity for entrepreneurs and investors alike. Discover more at www.hsbcinnovationbanking.com en-gb. Hello and welcome to the UKTM podcast, a weekly chat with the movers and shakers of the UK tech industry and the destination for all things UK tech related. And this week we are joined by David Dunn, the CEO of Sunderland Software City and Dynamo Northeast and a member of the UK Tech Cluster Group. Welcome, David. Hello, Jane. Thanks for having me. Now, let's start off with you explaining a little bit about what you do in both of those organisations I've just mentioned. Brilliant. Yep, I can do. So Sunderland Software City is a not-for-profit. As the name would suggest, it runs out of the northeast of England. We've been around for 16 years and we still do what we were set out to do, which was to support the growth of the tech sector in the northeast of England. We've grown a bit and now what we do is we focus on skills activity, innovation activity, startup activity, scale-up activity and R&D stuff. So we get quite a lot done on an annual basis. And give us a little sense of what the tech scene is like in the Northeast. I'm going to start off slightly contentiously and say the tech sector in the Northeast is good, but could be better. And, and that's why we're still around. I think we've done some amazing things over the last 16 years. And there's certainly some brilliant companies in the Northeast doing some th- wonderful things globally. But as ever, we could be better. We could be adding more value to UK PLC by having a better tech sector in the northeast of England. One of the things that you did do is welcome the new Department for Science, Innovation and Technology when that was set up almost a year ago. How do you think it's done so far and what do you see as its priorities in this coming year? So you're completely right, Jane. We did welcome it as Sunderland Software City and indeed as the UK Tech Cluster Group, which I'm also part of, because it essentially accelerated tech to, to the top podium, one of the top seats within government. I think the Department of Science, Innovation and Technology, DSIT, has started off well. I suppose if I was doing a school report card, it would probably be around <laughs> a B plus. It's certainly engaging regional ecosystems, which is which is what we wanted. I think there's an acknowledgement both by the Secretary of State, the Minister and the Department that things aren't equal across the country and you can't pull one single lever and solve all of the problems simultaneously. And I think that's been heard and I think they want to engage. I think 
the areas of improvement are, how do you put action behind that sentiment? Yeah, and that's a good point. We had Michelle Donnellan on the podcast last week, and she'd recently done a speech, which I think that you attended. So so what did you make of that speech? Because there seemed to be lots of rhetoric in it and promises of building powerhouses and putting tech first. But was there much practical advice, do you think? I was at that speech. I did hear Michelle say that again. Effort, ambition, great, it's there, you know, put tech front and sector. And I truly believe that the tech sector can drive the UK economy forward. But to your point around rhetoric, maybe there needs to be more detail about what would be done. I mean, ultimately, what we heard was there's going to be a scale-up forum and that scale-up forum are going to support 20 scale-up businesses. Now, that's great as a pilot, but how do we make sure that's A, scaled, ironically, and be fit for purpose for companies across the UK. And what did you make of her um, comment about unicorns and making the UK home to half of Europe's unicorn billion dollar companies? Because, you know, a billion dollar company is a long way from most of the startups and scale ups that we're seeing in the UK. Did you think that was the right focus? I think I've got two points on that. One, if you're talking about ambition, you you have to talk about unicorns. You probably should be talking about decacorns as well. The second point is, if you're a secretary of state or minister talking about where you want the UK economy to go, you probably have to mention unicorns as well. So I think it's a given that these are always talked about. But we've got to remember that to get those unicorns, we need scale-up companies. And to get those scale-up companies, we need startup companies. And to get those startup companies... We need people with their own personal ambition to do this. And I think that's where there needs to be focus, as well as the top end of the scale. And you gave the um, department a B plus for what it's done so far. But I wonder what you specifically think about their levelling up agenda, because we did hear in Michelle Donnellan's speech, her talking about wanting to make sure that all the regions were represented we hear more widely the government's levelling up agenda. What do you think of that agenda and, and what it's doing for the northeast tech sector in particular? Again, I think I think the, the idea of levelling up, which ultimately is about helping areas that aren't at the best level to achieve what they can, is a really positive thing. How levelling up has manifested itself for the northeast tech sector is yet to be done, I think is probably the most positive way that I can put it. Now, let's be honest, you know, levelling up does theoretically sit across government, but it also sits in its own department. And a lot of that is around infrastructure projects. And the North East has seen some of those. Do they have an impact on the tech sector? Possibly, but a direct impact, less so. But I will come back to my first point of There was a first hurdle we had to get across, and the first hurdle was getting central government to realise there wasn't a uniformity across the UK's tech ecosystems. We all have different requirements. So Glasgow is different from Bristol, is different from Sunderland, is different from Plymouth. And I think there is a realisation within the government departments that that is true. So we've got away from one lever. We've got multiple levers. We just need to start pulling them now. 
And what is it specifically then that Sunderland needs? Because you say that its sectors are, 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 are very different. So let's talk about your region specifically. So if I look at the northeast as a whole and compare it with somewhere like London, which is the normal comparator people go to, we don't have enough people wanting to start up tech businesses. Now, you could say that's a personal ambition thing. You could say that it's lack of role models or lack of experience. Whereas you look at London and there's lots and lots of people who want to set up tech companies on a daily basis. So we need to change that. And policy and funding has to be there to allow us to do that. Now, some of the activity we've started doing is is what we class as reaching into communities to speak to people so they can self-identify as potential tech entrepreneurs, which is easy to say and really difficult to do in practice because you need to allow people the ability to try things, to talk to other people, to potentially fail and resurrect themselves and go again. And that's not what the, the vast majority of the Northeast population are used to. So that's, that's a big difference that we have to work with. I could say access to talent is a bit of an inhibiting factor in the Northeast, but we know it's an inhibiting factor across the whole of the UK. So I think that's potentially where we can focus on in the region to be a bit of a differentiator. Um, And what I mean by that is we've done a very subtle change. And I I think we've done this in a really positive way across all of the actors in the Northeast, which is we need and we have stopped talking about the creation of jobs. And we've started talking about the creation of a talent pipeline, which when you think about it makes perfect sense. If you think historically, when you invest public money, you're always after the headline grabbing. It creates 300 jobs, creates 500 jobs, creates 1,000 jobs. Well, if you've got a tech sector that's already got thousands of vacancies, if you create another 1,000 jobs, you've then got 2,000 vacancies. Whereas if you focus on a talent pipeline, you're going to A, fill the vacancies you've already got and B, bring additional jobs to the region because you've got that talent pipeline to fill it. So I think that's one thing we started to do in the Northeast. HSBC Innovation Banking, our partner for this episode, provides commercial banking services, expertise and insights to the technology, life science and healthcare, private equity and venture capital industries. To find out why innovation needs different, go to www.hsbcinnovationbanking.com slash en dash gb. You're also, as you mentioned earlier, a member of the UK Tech Cluster Group, which has been looking at this issue across the country and lays out four big ideas to unlock economic growth. Do you want to talk me through what those sort of ideas are, first of all? Absolutely. I mean, to give it to give it a bit of context, the UK Tech Cluster Group was set up over six years ago because we realised there were organisations like Sunderland Software SETI right across the UK, and we were all facing the challenge of supporting our tech ecosystems. And as I've, as I'd mentioned, they're slightly different in each area, but we were all trying different things and learning from that. And probably the unwritten strapline of the Tech Cluster Group is sharing failure. Because I don't want to make the same mistakes as somebody else has done. And certainly they don't want to make the same mistakes as I've done. Because we're wasting time and effort and money if we do that. So the tech cluster group came together to inform each other about what we're doing. But actually, it turned out to be an incredibly useful and probably 
unique in terms of its understanding of ecosystems across the UK. We're the only organization that has these, dare I say, kind of grassroots connections into ecosystems. And we feed that into government and we feed that into policymakers to help them understand how they can change and how that can affect the whole of the UK. So sorry for that preamble, but our four big ideas that we launched in Parliament a couple of weeks ago were one, to to create that tech talent pipeline, which I've already talked about. And it's that shift of narrative from the creation of jobs to the creation of skilled people who can fill those jobs. Realizing that if we do that across the UK, the UK becomes a global powerhouse. Imagine if the UK was the place where tech talent lived and thrived and was the we were the supply of that. On that one, let me just drill down as to what that means. So are you talking there about post-school, post-university, adult learners, or is this something that goes back to school? This has to be a collective agreement by all of the stakeholders involved in someone's education and someone's career path. So yes, there has to be awareness raising in school around the career opportunities and the, the career pathways to get those jobs. But then when you come out of, of school, potentially into college, potentially into university, potentially into private training, that connection between all of those organizations I've just mentioned and enterprise and industry, it has to, it has to have a mutual benefit. You know, We've talked so long, and I've been around this block for a, a long time, and there's always been this perpetual argument about whose fault is it we don't have a talent pipeline? Is it is it education or is it industry? Well, actually, it's the, the fault lies at both doors. And we just need to get over this and have a proper conversation about how it works. And that means both moving towards the centre. It means education being more reactive, and it means industry being more helpful. Because if we don't do that, we'll get perpetual complaints from both sides. Now, if we do that in a very concerted and collective way, under a single banner of creating this tech pipeline in the UK, I think we can do something fairly tremendous. And I think every big company will look towards the UK as where they can find their talented people. And I think we can do that fairly quickly. This doesn't have to take 10 years to do. This could be done in three or four years if we have a concerted effort. So the, the answer to your immediate question is everybody in that it, it kind of supply chain needs to needs to be involved under a single banner. Okay, so that's that's your first sort of big idea. That, that all makes perfect sense. Talk me through the other three. The second one is I use the shorthand of it's digital adoption. So we saw during the pandemic this rapid rise of of organizations specifically traditionally non-tech businesses suddenly having to turn to technology to do their daily job so we saw loads of companies go on teams loads of companies go on zoomed but actually they, they also adopted lots of other tools to help them do their to to do their daily job and ultimately they had to do that to survive so it became digital adoption to survive but now we're seeing a shift, certainly in the Northeast, but I think in other areas of the UK, of digital adoption to thrive. What that means is companies are now understanding the potential benefits of tech, irrelevant of whether they're you know, a, a retailer on the high street, a manufacturer in an industrial park, 
or dare I even say, kind of personal services, hairdressers and things like that, they're starting to understand where digital can help them be more efficient, more productive, more innovative, and in many cases, develop new products. That needs to be done in a, a very supportive way. You know, when digital adoption first started, people were running for the hills when you talked about it. Now they're starting to kind of embrace it. If we look at some of the things the government have tried to do around digital adoption, I would say it's not only missed the mark, it was probably facing in the opposite direction. So the Help to Grow program, there was huge amounts of publicity and funding put into Help to Grow from a digital point of view. Nobody really took it on. It didn't really spend all of its budget. And there were certainly very few positive stories around that. Now, one of the things we're suggesting as a UK tech cluster group is because it needs to be done at a more localized level. You need to connect suppliers and buyers locally so they can talk to each other, understand each other, and that gets them on the first rung of the ladder. That also needs external support from organizations like Sunderland Software City to help those who've never done anything in digital navigate that digital pathway. Now, once you get over that stage and people start understanding it and trialing it, that's it. There's a there's a blue touch paper lit and then they fly off and then they can go and do their own things. But that early stage support, the first rung of the ladder needs to be done and it needs to have concerted effort around it. Fantastic. That that makes sense. And actually, I have to say that uh, I did ask Michelle Donnellan about the report and she said she was uh, she was listening to it. So run me through the other couple of points, but also talk me through what exactly you would like her to do with what you've laid out. So the next one we've got is is the, 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 the grand title is a UK innovation policy, which gives every place a chance. Now, this is born out of experience of a lot of pilot activity that's been done across the UK through the UK Tech Crystal Group, where what we've ultimately done is try to drive innovation, which ultimately means R&D spend between large companies and small companies. So if I can give you an example from the from the northeast, we had a large global car manufacturer, which if I say it's from the northeast, you'll probably work out who it is, who realized they needed to innovate around some of their customer services. By their own admission, they felt they were too big to be able to innovate at speed, which is what they needed to do. So they, you know, they should be applauded for realizing they needed to do it at speed. And they requested support from us to connect them into the tech ecosystem. We did that because the tech ecosystem trust us and we knew that the opportunity from the car manufacturer was a real opportunity to engage with them and win some work. So we we did that. We went through a whole process. We connected some small companies with the big company and something very positive came out of it. The the big company got the the, the support they needed. The small company won a contract. The other companies that participated saw somebody won a contract, so that was really good. And ultimately, what you've done in a very small microcosm there is is you've driven innovation very quickly at the edges in local areas. So if I was to sit in front of the Secretary of State and say, you should do more of this, which is exactly what I would say, the way I think this could be done is some innovative tax policy, maybe encouraging some pilots around local R&D spend. So how would you encourage big companies to spend more R&D spend locally with smaller companies? How would you give those smaller companies tax breaks if they get involved in some of these competitions? I think the other thing I would strongly advise that department to do as well is to make sure that it's curated in the correct way. And I would say this, but I think 
ecosystem support organizations like ourselves or those organizations to curate that. And what I mean by that is we've seen some pretty terrible examples of trying to drive innovation by ultimately just publishing things on a website. Big company needs some support, email this organization. I mean, that's just not curated. It's not managed. It's just a terrible example of trying to encourage innovation. It needs bodies on the ground. It needs conversations to be had with the small companies and the big companies about how each other work. What what are the culture in those organizations? What are the payment terms in those organizations? What are the expectations around IP? Right, That doesn't happen by publishing a tender on a website. That's not innovation, despite what you call that website. So the fourth big recommendation is, is us focusing more back on, on this startup. It's, it, it comes back around to what we talked at the start, Jane, which is to get these unicorns, you've got to have more startups. And, and whilst there are some areas of the country, Golden Triangle, London, who are seeing loads of startups, and that's great. And I'm not saying we shouldn't continue doing that. But imagine if every area in the UK had the same amount of startups as, as they did. We just see this massive rocket towards the UK being more of a, a tech powerhouse. And what that needs is just trials and pilot activity on what might work and what could work. Like I said, we've, we've spent the last two years trying to reach into communities to encourage people to set up tech businesses. It doesn't take a genius to work out that's got lots and lots of barriers and needs lots and lots of time, effort and resources to overcome those. But it's, it is a ratchet system. If you do it, people then don't go back. You know, once you've given them the potential, once you've showed them the pathways, once they come with the ambition, that doesn't disappear. So yes, it might need a reasonable amount of funding upfront to do it, but that doesn't need to be kind of continued over a period of time. So. Again, if Michelle was sat in front of me, I would say put a pot out there, you know, go beyond what you've already done with Barclays and the Digital Growth Grant. Invest in local ecosystems because they know their areas. Give them some money to pilot some different things. Publish what happens with that. Share the learning. And once you do that once, you don't have to sustain it. So it's a big initial push that needs to be done to move the tech ecosystem across the UK from the first rung of the ladder to the fifth rung of the ladder. So a bit of investment there, I think, is what decent need to do. Now, we're talking about some great points for government to perhaps take on, but we are also in an election year. <laughs> this could all completely change come May, October, or, or whenever the election is called. Does that worry you? It worries me from a point of view that any election would do is, is we become in a hiatus period where potentially nothing could happen for nine months. It doesn't worry me in the longer term because I think tech will be on the lips of any colour of government that's in. Selfishly, we're already starting to have conversations with some of the, the other parties. If I'm being really contentious, which I think I'm allowed to on this podcast, I think if, if, the, if the current government are on a B plus, the stuff that I've heard from Labour so far is is probably slightly behind that. And that's what we're trying to do is the tech cluster group is, is give other parties some insight into what needs to go on from day one should they get into into government and i suppose it doesn't matter what color party come in they've got potentially a five-year run at it and we'd like to see longer term investments into supporting the tech sector not not piecemeal announcements which last for six months you know it needs to be a long-term 
as I've said a few times now, concerted effort behind one flag to get the UK tech ecosystem going properly. Sounds like some more homework to be done by the Labour government then. More engagement, Jane, mate, if I may interrupt. <laughs> more, more engagement. Sorry, that's probably unfair to them. I think they have been engaged. I think it's committing to doing stuff, which is the bit that's missing so far. Okay, well, UKTN has done its homework, you'll be pleased to hear. And actually, fortuitously, this podcast is going out in the same week where a report from UKTN, which surveyed 100 senior managers at Northeast Tech Companies, also comes out. So I just want to pull out a couple of the points from that and get your thoughts on it. Firstly, the report found that funding is the biggest challenge facing Northeast Tech leaders, 43% saying it needs improving. Only 23% said it's excellent. What what do you see as the practical steps that can be done to improve funding? Firstly, I'll say that if you took that survey again in about five months, I would say the vast majority would say it needs improving, not just 43%, because we're about to, we're about to drop off a cliff in the Northeast because we've got some funds that are existing that are about to disappear, which is incredibly worrying. What do we need to do around that? So we've already started a little bit. I think I think we need to look at this through a multi-layered approach. A, we need to make VCs nationally aware that there's some good stuff coming out from the Northeast. And that has historically always been the argument about who gets on the train. Do VCs come up or do companies go down? Quite frankly, I don't care. If you're a small company, and albeit I get the argument around, well, we can't afford the train ticket. If you're a small company who wants to raise money, sometimes you're going to have to get on that train. But equally a forward-thinking VC who wants to fish in a market that's potentially underserved should get on a train and come up and see what we've got going on in the Northeast. So I think that's the, there's the connection to already existing finance that I think needs to be made. I think the next one is about how do we continue on from some of the fairly positive regional funds that we've had, which are kind of quasi-public sector funded. They've disappeared with the removal of European funding, but I think there's an opportunity to backfill with some UK government funding. And then a final one, which I think is potentially quite an innovative space for the Northeast, is how do we make it easier for more angel investment? So almost micro SEIS investments or AIS investments into companies. And again, that needs that needs coordination. It needs a bit of pilot funding, I think. And it needs us to not necessarily raise the ambitions, but raise the awareness of those people who might want to try investing. And I'm talking about investing it 500, 1,000 pounds as part of a consortium. You know, this is stuff that people have never really tried or experienced. But if you start to get tens of thousands of people doing that, you're then introducing some decent money into the marketplace. And then that might then follow on with some VC. So whilst it looks bleak, I think there are some opportunities of making it look better moving forward. Another finding was that under half say that the Northeast tech ecosystem doesn't get the international recognition it deserves. I mean, this is ambitious, but, you know, how do we improve that, getting getting the name out there? I think this needs to be done on an approach with UK PLC. You know, I, I think we've got the potential, and again, this is a this is a very conscientious statement that I've said multiple times in multiple audiences over multiple years. We potentially are wasting an incredible amount of money and an incredible, an incredible amount of resource by the Northeast going out and advertising itself, probably on the same forum as the Northwest is, probably on the same forum as the Southwest is, probably on the same forum as Wales and Scotland are. Okay. I think 
whilst we will have certain areas of skill, talent, expertise, subsector, you know, specialisms, we should have a more concerted effort across the UK to only put certain regions up for certain things. So imagine having the discussion, imagine there's a potential inward investor coming in and we have the discussion saying, well, this is a fintech inward investor. You know, the best place they're going to be served by is potentially Edinburgh, London, Leeds, right? Why don't the rest of us not bother wasting our time on this? Because the next one that comes through the door will be more relevant to us and others may stand down. Now, you can imagine that falls quite a lot on deaf ears. But if the government would grab something by the scruff of the neck, I think that's something they could look at because it does waste money. That would then, coming back to your question, give UK PLC a better reputation because it looks coordinated and give the Northeast a better reputation because it would be put out on the things that it could win, not on the things where it's competing against other domestic areas. Good practical advice there. Now, we're really running out of time. And this last question is probably one that deserves a lot more than a minute, but I'm going to give you about a minute to talk about the new devolution deal for the Northeast, which will see a mayoral combined authority in May of this year and the impact that may have on the tech scene. So I think we're starting from a really good place here. We already have a smaller combined authority that covers the North of Tyne area, and they have been incredibly positive around backing the growth of the tech sector. And I think that's going to that's going to pass into the new combined mayor authority. So I'm very pleased that they believe the tech sector is a powerful thing for the Northeast. I'm very pleased they're going to put more investment into it. And I'm very pleased they're going to have more powers to put more money into that. So I would say it's very positive. Good to end on a positive note. That was a great discussion. Thank you, David Dunn, for joining me. But that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of the UKTM podcast. Thank you also to those listening. We will, of course, be back with another episode next week. But in the meantime, you can keep up to date with all the latest UK tech developments at www.uktech.news. You can also follow UKTN and me on LinkedIn and X. Do get in touch with your comments and suggestions about the show. But until next time, it's goodbye from me. This podcast is brought to you by HSBC Innovation Banking, the power behind the UK's forward thinkers, future makers and leap takers. They're helping to ignite the bold ideas that reshape our world. Go to www.hsbcinnovationbanking.com slash en dash GB to find out how innovation needs different. Different.